Okay, welcome listeners to another episode of Sales Intersection, the intersection of money and meaning, where we, I, my guests and I discuss how we derive meaning from sales and how we're contributing to the positive evolution of sales and business. Um, we're on season three, episode eight, if you can believe that. And I can't believe that. And today's guest is Jamie Pitchflex, always another prospecting call on deck, Newbeck, who is <laughs> 2022's BDR of the year for reprise, carrying only one year experience in tech sales, if you can believe that. Yes. So super excited to have her on the show. Not just saying that, I'm, I, am, I'm, I haven't been this excited for an episode in quite a while and and that is um, because my my just um, intrinsic passion for the truth and reality and I've I admit um, in the past I I would get a high an ego boost of getting a big name on the show for the sake of getting a big name on the show yeah. um, but really what I like to do is there's often a gap between what those keynote speakers, what um, these top 10 influencers of the century or Forbes ranked number one people are preaching and advising and what's actually going on on the front lines in the trenches. So um, Jamie is, is, you can't be more, more on the front lines unless you're on the enemy side yeah. um, <laughs> so it's it's actually perfect she's um uh, a perfect example of that um so jamie great to have you on the show and welcome to sales intersection thank you so much for having me i'm very excited and this is jamie's first podcast it so is you never forget your first no and, you don't <laughs> and so um i'm 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 gonna brag about that in the future when, <laughs> when she gets even more famous because um, she's she's just rising through the, through the uh, the rooftop right now. Um, so the theme of today's podcast is whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And um, because the quote reminds me of your spirit, and another quote from Maya Angelou, who said, people will forget what you said, people forget will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I feel like there's a lot of energy that at least that, I don't know you very well, well obviously, but a lot of energy that comes across in, in, your, in your posts and it's infectious and it, and it hits you on this visceral level and it there's a, it's a there's a real feeling that comes out of it evoke it evokes feeling you know That's, not yeah. not thinking um it's not a pensive post like they're, they're not not that they're you know um dumb posts or anything but they're pensive but you know but um evoking a lot of feeling is what i get out of uh, it yeah. so um so would you agree those two quotes kind of encapsulate? Oh, ab absolutely. Especially, I really like the, um, you know, you don't remember what people say, what they do, but you always remember how somebody made you feel. Yeah. And that is so true for, I'd imagine, everyone. Um, and with my posts, I really am trying to just reach out to people that have been where I've been, going through what I'm going through, dealing with what most BDRs or SDRs are dealing with and trying to just kind of reach out and get them to kind of feel not alone, you know, cause it's, yeah. it's easy to, to feel alone. Yeah. And that's, and that's fantastic. And, and I think increasingly, um, all these buzzwords that kind of make me sick, like personal brand, <laughs> and whatever your brand yeah. you and it's just, it's just you, right. Um, right. is increasingly becoming more, um, authentic you know and genuine and, and the more of that you show the better you're going to do and yeah. i think you do a great job of, of doing that so i think that's thank that's you probably a big part of your success so i'm going to split this podcast into two segments um 
just so my audience knows, one is going to first delve in, do dig into um, Jamie's uh, personal life path to reprise, um, you know, some some general general questions about her life, and then of course, um, you know, her her success and the reason why I'm a big reason why I reached out was not only her posts but her uh, you know her massive success in such a short time. Um, so we want to I'm going to get more tactical and talk about her her process for prospecting and lead generation and um and we'll that'll be the second half so um so jamie um i read uh you know your linkedin many clerical roles and then you begin your sales career um and it said you found your sales career so what what does that mean you're sitting in your your desk in the clerical role and you found your sales career did you have like an aha moment like i need to get out of here or or did someone say why don't you try it sales like how did well how did, how did that, what's the first um, in this book? i was actually in college for psychology and i had like 21 credits to go uh 3.99 gpa i had totally just given it all and in that time, I had done some internships at different um, rehabilitation centers and mentoring. And it, it hit me as I'm sitting here wrapping this college <laughs> degree up that it was not um, the sadness of it and the hardship of watching people struggle every day was really hard, um, to, harder than I thought it would be. Um, and unfortunately, successes are few in the substance abuse area. So I was just having a really hard time grasping that. And my son, actually, who is um, 20 years younger than me, but <laughs> he actually was in sales. And I was watching him and his excitement and um, just it, it was infectious. Like he'd come home and he'd make this big deal. And I'm watching him just light up when he's making these sales and I'm getting excited. And it kind of was like, you know, like there's no reason in the world why I should try it, you know, like why not? And I was um, about 40 <laughs> then. So shifting gears was not, you know, in the cards per se that I thought, but yeah. I right then um, decided to, I stopped the college, put that on pause, which, now I, I don't believe I'll go back, but at the time I thought I'll put it on pause and give it a try. I went and started sales at a moving company and um, did that for four years, but that was a family owned and operated business. All the management was family. There was nowhere to go, but in the seat that I was in, there was nowhere to go, no up. So I started looking around for other genre of sales. Like what, what else can I do? Um, and I came across tech sales and I actually started looking into it and it seemed like something really up my alley, um, writing emails, um, making calls, just basically building relationships to book meetings for the account executives. And I could totally see myself doing that. So that's how I actually kind of jumped into it. I actually went to a boot camp, um, uh, tech sale boot camp to do so. And I finished that up early last year and reprise. I started there May 17th of so the boot camp. The boot camp would kind of like not, or maybe promise you kind of that they land you somewhere. They just basically, they don't land you somewhere. They just kind of show you the way to interview or apply or little different hacks that you can do with resumes and and so on and so forth a lot of guys but, yeah um you do your own type of you know outreach to to find the job so how did you do that how how, how were you successful at moving you know going from no tech sales experience and to, to getting the, to getting the interview to, yeah to um 
I don't know, Ace in the interview, um, <laughs> pronounced, he pronounced the company name wrong, but um, <laughs> yeah, to, I to, I mean, maybe it goes back to the quote, um, the way you made them feel. Yeah. Um, um, honestly, I set up my outreach to get a job, just like I would be expected to be in the role. So I literally went, figured out what companies I wanted to apply to, applied, and then I reached out to a manager. And then I reached out to somebody that was in the role that I applied for. And I put them in a sequence and I emailed and called and emailed and called and sent them LinkedIn messages, just like I would a prospect. Um, researched each person that I was reaching out to, personalized the messages. Um, I literally just made my outreach exactly like I would be expected to do as a SDR or BDR. And that, and I literally in that way received interviews and um, after I got a couple offers and I decided reprise was where I wanted to land. And that's where I've been ever since. That's great. And um, obviously a huge success, reprise 2022 BDR of the year. Uh, were you surprised? I mean, I was surprised. I knew I had been doing good. I didn't even know there was gonna be a BDR of the year. So we were just in the meeting and we had um, all voted on like mock elections almost like you do in high school, like most spirited, most this, most that. And we had all put in our input for that, but I had no idea that there was even gonna be a BDR of the year. And so when she flew up the slide with you know, my picture and like my um, stats or whatnot, you want to call it for the year. I was, yeah, I was shocked that I, that there even was a BDR for the year. So yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, it was great. So tell me about that. Cause it's, it's probably, you know, mostly performance metrics driven. And I imagine in one year you got to account for, I mean, um, uh, those metrics would be compromised by ramp. So were you able to make up those me um, metrics that you would lose in ramp time when you're not, you're not. I started in May and then I don't think I had a quota until July. And then I, from July to December, I think, I think that it's at 82 meetings and 144,000 um in like revenue or whatnot and yeah i just i don't know i just from the time i started i just hit the ground running i really just wanted to break through the masses through the noise and and be heard I guess. so you were you were just kind of like screw it i'm i'm just gonna go for it like i might be completely <laughs> yeah. off but i'm gonna get at bats and i'm gonna learn yeah and I'm, I'm, I'm but i'm gonna be comfortable what were you comfortable like you know, on the, I guess it was COVID. So you're at home, right? Yeah. Well, it's a remote company period. It's okay. never been anything, but, and I don't believe it ever will be. Um, we've been told we never have to ever, we do, we works in different cities, but, um, we're, we don't have a brick and mortar. So yes, we're, we're just a completely remote company. So those first calls, uh, were you scared, nervous? Were you? Yes. <laughs> yes, that that was probably honestly legitimately the hardest part for me. And probably I will admit still is the hardest part for me is the calls. Um, I think it's about, <clears throat> excuse me, it's about, you know, you get scripts or whatnot in every every job. They're going to give you every BDR, SDR, they're going to give you a script or something to follow. And I think it's about tailoring that to sound like you, yeah. um, good example. Like I wasn't really thinking yesterday, somebody, I had called probably 20 people, no one answered and someone picked up and it kind of took me by surprise. And I said, um, do you have, um, would you happen to have a minute or something like that? And my husband, after I hung up was like making fun of me. Cause he's like, yeah, that doesn't even sound like you. Like, do you have a minute, sir? Or so I didn't even say, sir, but I was like, I know, I know I like got caught off guard. So it's literally 
that's the hard part for me is making tailoring it to sound like me, but still be professional without being salesy, if you yeah. will. Um, because I can't, I I can't do salesy. That's just not. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, my yeah. my theory is there's no such thing as a cold call. There's so much information out there, and there's ways to go about it where you can make it warm. Like I don't always do this, but sometimes I'll start with an email, a hyper personalized yeah. email. Yeah. And um, and and I one of my early mentors, Rob Schatzel, if you're listening, um told me, Eric, it's, it's, you got to make it. So it's not about why should you buy from me, but why should I sell to you? Um, and, and by starting out the conversation by saying, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking your time. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. You're right. already, um, making the playing field uneven. So I'll, I'll make it almost seem like it's, a, it's a favor that I'm calling them. Um, yeah and 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 then you know i can refer you can reference the the email or there's a lot of different right, things, right? yeah i always send out an email first also um, okay that makes it at least somewhat where i don't feel it's completely cold you know um yeah yeah completely and so yeah and, and so tell me about that because you said sequences um i use i use apollo um and i'm not there's not really a way to send a sequence to say like 500 people and okay. and tailor each one where I can okay. hyper personalize it to like say like uh, we have this mutual connection or you know I know that you um, industry you know industry facts for you or like um, I saw you posted that yeah. blah, blah. Um, so, what, what's your kind of like secret sauce for personalization? What do you, what we do is the first email that goes out before first outreach period is personalized. And the way that that is done, you can put people in sequences. And then when you go to do your tasks, that first email, you just make sure it's not automatic because automatic emails, you'll never see them. They just go, you don't even ever they're never on your radar really except for they just pop up in your sent box but the first email especially um it's vital that it's personalized so so you have your list you have your list in in the in I have the a sequence, list of names and then you go down the list and you personalize and it pops up and it shows me that first email and there is sometimes a template sometimes not sometimes you just wing it from scratch or you have different templates that you may use but always that that opening paragraph or two is something that is based on them their company something about them personally that is relevant to why i'm reaching out not oh i see you went to boston university anyhow sales leaders that i talk to yeah like, that's not you know, and a lot of people, I think, struggle with that, like, uh, well, how do I get those two together? And it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's an art, <laughs> it's, it's a dance, definitely finding something that's and, also relevant. And, and, and specifically, do you, do you find like, mentioning a mutual connection or their, their title or um, something more about their company or, or industry stat? What, um, what components really? I like are to look at posts that they've made, comments that they've made, stuff that interests them. Um, especially if it has to do with anything, you know, technologically based. If if once in a while, you know, all the stars align and they make a comment about a demo or <laughs> something like that that reprise actually specializes in. But usually it's not that simple. So you have to kind of look um, in a timely manner because, you know, you have to do this at scale. You have to do, the, you know, I have X amount of emails, X amount of everything to do a day. So I have to look for something that's relevant that I can tie in um, within no less than five minutes. You know, like yeah. I have to look on their LinkedIn page. Sometimes I Google their names, um, stuff like that. Yeah, if they've been on a podcast or article. Right, podcasts. I read the transcript real quick of a podcast and yeah. try to figure out something that's relevant that they do you said. guys do you guys use ABM? Mm, um, no. 
account account based marketing that's like where you can actually um you can actually see uh if a company has visited your website or well, i'm sure that we do have that um we do have those types of stats i don't look at those kind of stats i'm sure somebody way yeah. higher up than me does i see but yeah we know i'm 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 I know we can track different visitors and different things that happen on our website. Yeah. Because generally speaking, only 3% of the population um, is actually in the market for your product. Yeah. And 90, 97% are not. And yeah. um, so how it's for, so, so there's like, there's two, two questions I often you know, I'm, I'm often trying to find the best answer to is how do I identify those 3% um, that are in, in the market? And how do I go about um, uh, either converting the 97% to an evaluation stage, or they're not, they're not going to convert I mean, if, if, if it's uh, some jeans or candy bar or something, you can convert them pretty quick. I mean, yeah. like I could be turned on to a candy bar in right. a second, right? right? Absolutely. And I wasn't, I wasn't in the market, you know, five minutes ago. Yeah. But if we're talking about an enterprise software, um, you know, there's there's a bureaucracy and, and you have to navigate the organizational hurdles that come along with that. And, and someone has, you know, four people have to sign off. So you can't just convert them to um so how do you go about identifying basically um, prioritizing your prospecting list where it's like this person this company probably makes most sense to go after first because they are most likely to have the problem or um that fits our solution um how do, do you what, what sources do you use how right. do you go about prioritizing okay. that list so first of all the our you know we all have our account executives and they um tier what 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 happens is they each have a list of companies qualified companies they are given then they tier them tier one two or three depending upon what the the need that they see that they've researched and then we as bdrs do our research um to kind of prioritize because it's a list of 200 you know so i got to prioritize which ones do i want to reach out today what are most emergent and that's another challenge is we are we gardner is actually looking to name our new emerging category because we are a new emerging category um product tours on the website and whatnot they're just companies are just now starting to see different like pendo zoom info outreach they're all starting to they're some of our customers they're starting to see the value in oh my gosh people can go on my website and actually self-qualify themselves walk through what looks and feels like the actual platform without talking to sales at all and then they start talking to sales so from a marketing perspective that's one of the use cases so if i go on a website and I see anywhere on that website that it's a software company that says request a demo anywhere on there, then I know they do demos. So therefore, I know that now some different like medical, um, some different. You mean on, on your website if that you see like there a company? Anybody's website, any, any tech company's website says request a demo on there. I know that they give demos. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Okay. So then that's what we do. We are a demo creation yeah. platform, but it's interactive demos and product tours. So it's something that nobody um, actually, we're, we're the first that actually emerged in this category. Now we have tons of competitors, but um, we were the first and Gardner's trying to name us. So we have that challenge to overcome too, because it's not a technology that everybody knows about. People are starting to catch on to it. But a lot of people, you really can't translate in words what exactly this would look like or what it could do for them. It, it so really, to me, it, to me, it speaks to the buyer's journey, which has become progressively more dark. And when I say that, I mean that um, the buyer goes further and further along in their evaluation without engaging with the salesperson. Exactly. 
um, and it's a, it's it's I'm not sure the current statistic, but it's between 57 and 70 percent that they of the journey they go without engaging a salesperson. Right. And so um, there's various technologies out there that allow you to intercept earlier or intercept at the right time. But um, generally speaking, there's 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 a there's been just um, an explosion of sales intelligence, if I may say, which is just a general term that means nothing anymore. Um, sales intelligence tools that um, will equip you to to say the right thing to the right person at the right time and be aligned with where they are in in the journey. Right. So right. they don't want to people don't want to engage with the salesperson if they're not going to help them evaluate and they don't want someone to jump in and ask a question that they already got answered at um, exactly. when they're at 15 percent of the buyer's journey. Right. So right, right. if by knowing and getting and, you know, straight me if I'm wrong, by knowing all this information you can see on, on the site, then that allows your sales people to to be more aligned with where they are in the buyer's journey and more relevant. And Absolutely. Because I mean, if I, me as a buyer, if I forget me as a tech sales, forget just me as Jamie, the mom, if I can go on a website not have to talk to anybody in sales and actually play around with the product and say, oh, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Or no, this is not at all what I'm looking for. Let me move on. Or yes, this is what I want. Let me talk to sales now because now I know I got. I want what you got. Because now yeah. I've sat here and went through your platform a little bit. That's perfect. Like now I don't have to talk to sales at all. And it also works for the salespeople because now there's no more unqualified people yeah. that you're wasting your time with. So. You just, in my opinion, you have to be even more strategic because even the, even though you're dealing with less of the buyer's journey, you have yeah. to be spot on and right. and more, more crafty. Um, yeah. So I want to transition to a more personal part of the episode. Okay. You've been you've been very brave and courageous in your transparency and, and authenticity on LinkedIn with your posts. Um, in particular, I, I wanted to get into the substance abuse, um, mm -hmm. component and mm -hmm. it's, it's very stigmatized. I'd say yeah. even more than mental illness in sales oh, and, and open yeah, conversations I yet. I would bet it's more prevalent in sales than most professions. I would say so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and w whether we're talking about Adderall, whether we're talking about drinking, whatever, drinking or, you know, a number of other once. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, so can you give me a sense of how you fell into the dark rabbit hole of yeah, substance abuse? Absolutely. Why, why, how long it lasted and how you finally got out? Okay. So I was um, a good girl in high school. You know, I probably did what everybody else did. Tried a little marijuana, drank at a party here and there. But I mean, for the most part, I graduated with honors, um, was looking at colleges and I met um, a, a new group of people that I started hanging out with who one subsequently became my oldest son's father. And they were into, not at the moment that I met them, but they were more advanced in their um, usage of, they didn't just experiment. So they had been into harder drugs. And so I started, you know, like seeing them do that. And so that kind of made it acceptable to be around, let's say. Sure. And then I got in a car accident and I was prescribed opiates. Okay. And of course that was, uh, you know, it, it never even crossed anybody's mind that I wouldn't take them, not even my parents, because I was injured. Why wouldn't I? And the doctor said so. And doctors know everything, right? So yeah. they, you know, you just, you do it. And um, I got done after probably three weeks or a month of getting those prescriptions and I quit taking them. And all of a sudden it was, and the word sick doesn't really fit. It's just the only word that is close. Um, when you go through an opiate withdrawal, it is unexplainable. Um, like literally you hear about like, your skin's crawling and your bones feel like they're going to pop out of you. It, it literally feels like you're dying, 
or yeah. you actually you wish you would like it's that bad it's nowhere near sick like i'd take the flu for a year than that for a day it's it's just horrific so i had to keep buying pills that's the only thing i could think to do or or say i'm still hurting you know and my mom would take me to doctors and da, da, da. i'm only 18 19 years old by now yeah um by the time i was 22 it I was just a full-blown addicted to opiates and I found cheaper, easier opiates to get my hands on. And that went on, on and off for 15 years. Um, I went to 11 rehabs. Um, I overdosed five times, two times. I literally was gone for over five minutes. Um, one time the, the EMT literally was pronouncing me and, and they tried a shot of adrenaline and it brought me back. So, I mean, I went through some very, very, very dark times. Um, my parents, of course, they did the tough love, um, route. My sister happens to be a mental health and substance abuse psychologist. So she was kind of directing them on what would be healthiest for them. Um, and me really that they shouldn't enable and whatnot. And it finally just, uh, it took a long-term six month rehab that finally just, I, I don't know. It was the time. Cause usually you go to rehab, it's 14 to 21 days. If you're lucky, if you, the state, you know, go through the state, um, the inpatient people, pardon inpatient. Yes, inpatient. Most people don't have forty, eighty, hundred thousand dollars to go to rehab. Um, yeah. My parents paid for that once or twice, but then I started going through the state, and it was even when my parents paid for it, it was twenty eight days. So I mean, it was it's not long enough. You don't even have your your head together in twenty eight days when you're set back out to just go. You know, you don't you don't know what you're doing. You're just not clear enough. So after six months, I finally had time to actually get my head squared away and get my head on. And now I have been clean. Um, January 26th was 11 years. Wow. Congratulations. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was not easy. It was um, probably the hardest thing I've ever done by far, but um, now that I'm so far out. And like I said, I did stop going to college, but I still mentor people. I'm a certified recovery coach. I still go to rehabs and talk. Um, based, and all that stuff. based on what you said about the, the sickness and that you'd rather have the flu for a year, would you say it's, it's easy to identify the hardest part of that as, as the, maybe the detox is when you it went definitely hands down is the hardest part. And that's why most opiate addicts will not get out of it today. Like otherwise I would have walked away probably a long time ago. And then you can say, well, there was times you were detoxed and you went back. But of course that goes back to the whole addict thinking of, I'll just do it this time. I got my life together now. I got, cause there was so many times I got my life together, job, house, you know, everything back in order. And I thought, you know, I'll just, I'll just take a couple pills tonight. You know, like yeah. I just stressed out. I'm just going to take a couple tonight and I'll resume my, the, this good life I have tomorrow. And it just doesn't work that way. Um, it yeah. might work that way for that night, but then I'm going to be, then I'll do it Tuesday and then I'll do it Thursday. And then pretty soon it's back to every day. It's just the way it and goes. You can't you're, dabble. You're, you're somewhat fortunate that you're not in the age of the fentanyl laced. Um, I just missed it zone right um yeah. so what was it that um kind of turned the corner for you i mean where it, it finally was enough it's it had been enough for a while to be honest but what kept pulling me back was um i had a child i had my children and my one child i had when i was 19 years old he actually went through he, I signed him over guardianship to my mother when he was four. And then I got him back in my custody when he was 14. So, I mean, it was back and forth and he was what always brought me back. Um, kept me fighting because I mean, if you're going to 
put drugs in your body, you don't care about yourself at that moment. You just don't. If you're going to do stuff that's going to harm you, potentially kill you, you really don't care about yourself enough to quit. But, and you can't quit for somebody. He, I couldn't quit for just him. I had to get to a point because I tried that. All those other times I tried to quit for just him. And I finally got to a point where I was sick of it. I wanted to live. I wanted a good life. I knew I deserved better. So, and even though I didn't walk into that rehab loving myself or thinking I deserved it, I knew deep down I did. I just had to get to the point where I actually believed it. Yeah. 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 And I I imagine it's empowering to know that nothing's controlling you. (laughs) It's it's so freeing. It's insane. And that that life seems so far removed from who I am now that it's 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 almost like thinking I think about like her (laughs) as a separate she yeah. made decisions I would never make, you know, like but it's got to probably contribute to your success today. I mean, that, that, that must have been such a hard time that like mm-hmm. that a cold call seems probably yeah, exactly so it, much easier than detox. Every other mountain seems pretty small in comparison. Yeah. So and, and, and I do remind myself of that when you get caught up in the day to day stresses or anything, I literally can sit there and say, OK, where were you sitting 15 years ago? And it's yeah. almost laughable. Like, just shut up. Who cares about bills or any of that? I have yeah. bills. I have a house. I have a car. Yeah. I have everything. Oh, yeah. Without your health, without your health, it means nothing, you know? No, exactly. So, yeah. so, yeah. So let's talk a little lighter. Okay. A um, little lighter note um, on, and, and given the strength that it that it gave you um, and, and what you're doing as a salesperson, walk me through and as a parent you got a lot you got a lot going on um what's <laughs> yeah. walk me through um a day in the life of jamie newbeck oh lord so i wake up ungodly early i don't know why but like four o'clock is wow. when i usually wake up and that just you know that's when i <laughs> obsessively go to linkedin <laughs> And just start scrolling through, you know, just kind of check things out. And then by the time, you know, I get up, make sure, you know, got a 15 year old. So basically it feels like I'm in the ninth grade again, Um, helping him with his homework in the morning. If he didn't do it the night before, (laughs) Um, getting that done, wrapped up and then shifting into the mode of BDR, you know, um, getting all that trying to get my metrics done for the day, make sure I'm doing everything I need to be done here, um, do my meetings, whatnot, see if anybody else needs help with anything. Um, We're a really tight team. We all help each other a lot. So um, just checking on people, people checking in on me. And then it's about dinner and more homework and you know if my older child who's 25 but he's still my child if he has something going on or needs to talk or needs help then you help him if the 15 year old needs help you help him husband's a truck driver um he works anywhere from 12 to 16 hours a day so just making sure everybody is um fed Sir, everybody survives. Everyone has clean clothes. Everything's clean. The dogs are walked. <laughs> you know, like it's it's a juggling act, but it's it's awesome. Do you have do you have any time during the day where you can take a walk or have any um, Jamie time? I do walk the dogs a couple times a day, but that's more stressful than not because they try to attack cars. So honestly, on the weekends is when I really try, and I. I make a a real effort to unplug Um, Sunday night. I'll do homework or whatnot with my other child or Friday night if he wants to get it done earlier. But other than that, honestly, weekends are for literally just watching Netflix, chilling out, going and meeting with family, going out to eat, doing things that I like to do um, to kind of unwind. So, so you do kind of separate work and life, like you, you, you take your time off on the weekends. I do. And then at nighttime, when everything winds down seven, eight o'clock, I take those couple hours, you know, before bed to just 
plug into a show that I like to watch or read a book, do whatever I want to do. That kind of just helps me. So do you have during the day, um, uh, are you pretty militant about like time blocks in your calendar? Like, um, uh, uh, prospecting eight to eight to 10 and then I've been playing with the time blocks to try to figure out like, you know, everybody always wants to know the most successful time to call people when you can get the most people on the line. I have yet to find the golden hour (laughs) where everybody picks up the phone, but I doubt there is one, but little little secret I just read the other day, Sundays, six to 8 PM. I have uh, heard that. Yeah. I have heard that. And I actually, we have our sequences are set for emails to go out at that time. Yeah, mine um, too. Because that is like an optimal time, apparently, for everybody to kind of get get their week together. Um, so yeah, I have heard that. I have yet to try it. But yeah, time blocks, prospecting, of course, the meetings, you have to put time, but prospecting, um, cold calling, and then my tasks, like emails. Um, those are the main three blocks. And I do, and my company's really good about like Thursdays, we have an hour where the whole company can work out if you want during the oh. workday. Tuesdays is an hour of meditation if you want during the workday. Oh. Um, so they do try to, and they definitely are always like, did you take a lunch today? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, good. I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure you, I did. <laughs> yeah, you had maybe something by your desk. Like, yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm something. horrible at lunches. I will admit I'm very bad. I'm, I'm just yeah, like I had cream in my coffee. Um, so how many calls would you say you make a day or a week? Um, we actually started calling in October. We were actually just doing like the social selling type thing before then. And then we, we kind of switched gears to cold calling in October Um, so they're kind of like, and we're hiring, like there was six of us two months ago. Now there's 12 of us. So they've, they hired a bunch of new people. So people are in different stages of onboarding and whatnot, but I definitely try to make, I definitely make at least 50 shoot for a hundred, usually end up somewhere in the middle (laughs) of that. So yeah, well, that's definitely 50 at a minimum. 50 calls minimum. Yes. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And when you say social selling, um, give me a sense of your kind of social selling, uh, strategy. Email. Um, I find my thus far, I have found the most success with emailing and LinkedIn. Some I've actually booked, um, a couple meetings or at least one I know of on Slack in a different, actually it was with sales rebellion. Okay. Um, I think you said you talked to Dale. Yeah. On that Slack channel, I actually booked a meeting there, a couple on LinkedIn, but the most my bulk is email. And the way that I decided to try to break through the masses was I decided to write poems about I have a poem about reprise I have a poem about if you start a new position or if you got funding or if you ghosted a meeting (laughs) or if you're not listening to me (laughs) I have I wrote a poem kind of about all of it so what's this what's the subject line um usually ode ode to name oh that's pretty that's pretty good must have a good open rate it it does and I found a lot of people like, you know, it, it's different. So they read it and then they're like, how, crap, how long does it, it actually... take you to craft a, a poem each for, honestly, it takes me, it probably took me 20 minutes to a half hour for each one. And then I switch them around as like, I have one for a business development leader, but I haven't done personas ones yet. Just that one. But I have them all like on a page. I just keep a running page of them. And then if something I see like fits the mold, I just go grab it and uh, personalize it somewhat with the company name and name and different. There's a couple different indicators I need to change around, but for the most part, it, it it's worked. And that's, that's how the, by far the biggest conversion rate. For me. Yeah. Thus far. 
Now we just shifted to sequences that um, we had created and we're working real big on personalization and we literally just shifted to that. So I'm seeing how that is going to play out versus the poems. And sometimes I'm also doing the poems like just one-offs. If I see somebody showing interest, opening my emails or whatnot, then I'll send them a poem instead of it being the initial outreach. So I'm just trying to pay, play around with different methods. And, and that's what it, I think it's what it's about. You, you're playing around with different methods, different any, means. Any maybe. video, email? Yep, we do videos. We actually, um, our director actually came from Bomb Bomb. So she's huge on video, Devin. Okay. And so we do a lot of videos. Um, it's actually part of one of our, all of our sequences. Um, and then it's always good for, I find when there's not just initial outreach, but either sending them on LinkedIn videos, or if I see somebody showing interest of any kind, opening my emails or whatnot, then that's an appropriate time, I think, to send a video because then they kind of, obviously, if they've opened your email nine times or something like that, maybe you're fresh in their mind and you can get them to view the video and you got the you got the LinkedIn voicemail going, right? Yeah, definitely. I use that too. I use everything available to me. Is yeah. that's the thing. You just gotta keep I don't stick to one thing, even though like, yes, I want I gravitate towards emails, but I make myself do it all because yeah. that's the only way I'm gonna be successful. Um, so I want winding down. I, this has been a great podcast. So it's 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 one of the longer ones, but I I'm gonna have to um, cut it off because um, it's rare people give you an hour and a half to to listen to a, a podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what would you um, what would your manager say is your strongest trait or traits? I would say he would Tony. Um, he would say. He just says my my work ethic. He always says I have the hardest work ethic of anyone he's ever met. <laughs> that's what he said, like in my BDR, like when I was BDR of the year. That's was his little quote. Jamie has the strongest work. I just I don't know. I, it's not that I work twelve hours a day or that I'm working weekends. It's just during work time, I just give up. I just go like one hundred and ten percent. You're just focused. Yeah, yeah. Leave it's it work. all there. You're, you're not on Instagram, Facebook or no, yeah, no, I don't uh, even, I try not to even have my phone anywhere near me. <laughs> what are you most proud of in your life? Not just professionally. Hmm. I would say my kids being a mom. That's yeah, I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty, pretty cool. Mom. Pretty good. Mom. I, you <laughs> know, um, I had Andy Paul on, um, and I said, you know, what's the most important thing you can do to be a great sales person and he said have good parents <laughs> basically just saying be a good person yeah you know? definitely like they're definitely by far I mean being a good mom to them is definitely by far my biggest accomplishment um how how are you going about self-development I mean are, do you do you um put a lot of weight into or um, uh, uh, prioritize like reading sales books, listening to sales podcasts. Um, go, um, uh, be, I mean, obviously you're in sales rebellion, but so small com uh, sales communities. Right. Um, I try to interact like um, Rev Woman Roundtable or Thursday Night Sales. I try to show up for as many podcasts, stuff like that I can um, fit into my schedule. And I also listen to recorded, um, different podcasts that have subject that applies to me, like prospecting, cold calling. So for prospecting, what's your, what, what do you think are, um, what, what book comes to mind and what podcast? That, that's the podcast. I always listen to, um, GB Gabrielle Blackwell. I always watch her videos, anything that I, I really, she resonates with me. I don't, she's just real. She tells you she's real, she's raw, and she knows what she's talking about. You can just tell. Yeah. So I always listen to her. Um, Thursday Night Sales is a great one. Um, the Other Side of Sales. Um, 
Oh, you're going to be so, on. I know you're going to be on that. that yeah, that's Monday. I'm excited about that. And then as far as books go, I just actually, I haven't read them yet. I just got one the other day by Jed. Is that his name? Jed, Jed Blount. Yep. Fanatical press. press that's press. it. Yep. I just yeah. got that like literally last week and I have it sitting on my bedside table. And I believe that is my weekend. <laughs> that's what I want to do is read that. It's a, a game changer. You'll, you'll, yeah. you'll get a that's lot what of, I've uh, heard. So that's why I'm, I'm all in on it. Um, so last, last question. Um, 10 year old Jamie Newbeck, if I were to ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would you have said? I would have said a nurse like my mom, but then she took me to work and I saw blood and I fainted and that ended that. That ended that. <laughs> that ended that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Jamie, having you on the show. Um, Thank you. I, I, on my, my prep sheets here, I have, I still have tons of questions, but we, we ran out of time. Um, yeah. I'm glad I'm honored that I was your first podcast, um, but very deserving. Um, you've, you've been just absolutely slaughtering it for a year. And I know I have, I have confidence that it's only going to continue and, um, I'll have to have you back, um, when you, you know, get to that next chapter, yeah. anything you want to plug say, or. Honestly, just, um, as far as BDRs, SDRs go, um just help each other. If I can help anyone, let me know. And honestly, if we all help each other, we can level up so much quicker. And of course, if you need a demo reprise. Yeah. Product tour, demo, reprise. Got it. Got it. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this one and you can find all my podcasts on at salesintersection.com. Um, actually, if you just Google sales intersection, the whole front page is, is mine. It's, it's all sales intersection or, and, um, go to YouTube and, uh, search sales intersection. If you want to see, actually see the, the videos where, um, in, instead of just listening, the, um, and this will be up in a couple of weeks and can't wait to edit it and have that, um, aired. So Jamie, thanks again for the time Thank you for and having me. Get back to get back to um, I will. Uh, earning 2023 <laughs> uh, VDR. Yeah, definitely. I'll get on that right now. Okay. All right. Enjoy Thank your you day. Thank you so much, Eric. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.